This is the NOAA Ocean Podcast. I'm Troy Kitch. Today, we're revisiting one of my favorite episodes from a few years back. It's about a project led by Wacoit Bay National Estuarine Research Reserve in Massachusetts. That project considers the economic value of leaving our coastal wetlands and seagrass beds intact, untouched, and undeveloped. Why do that, and what does it have to do with economics? My colleague Megan Forbes picks up the story. The Wacoit Bay National Estuary and Research Reserve has developed an innovative set of tools designed around the concept of blue carbon, or the carbon captured by the world's ocean and coastal ecosystems. You've probably heard that human activities give off something known as carbon dioxide, which contains atmospheric carbon. You might also know that these gases are changing the world's climate, and not in a good way. What you may not know is that our oceans and coasts provide a natural way of reducing the impact of greenhouse gases on our atmosphere through the taking in of this carbon. Coastal wetlands act as something called a carbon sink, sequestering carbon at a much faster rate than forests and continuing to do so for millions of years. The bigger picture of blue carbon is one of coastal habitat conservation. When wetlands are damaged or destroyed, they shift from being a carbon sink to being carbon sources that release greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. Protecting and restoring these habitats is a good way to reduce climate change. Blue carbon has received increased global attention recently. Unfortunately, wetlands are disappearing at an alarming rate, and decisions to either develop, protect, or restore them are often made in the context of limited public resources. Trading wetland carbon offsets is an exciting new approach to creating a financial incentive for restoration and conservation. In a project known as Bringing Wetlands to Market, the Wacoit Bay Reserve leads cutting-edge, collaborative research that examines the relationship between salt marshes, climate change, and nitrogen pollution, and has developed tools to leverage the blue carbon stored in wetlands. I spoke with Tana Marie Surgeon Rogers, the Coastal Training Program Coordinator at the Wacoit Bay National Estuary and Research Reserve. She had much to say on the ecosystem benefits of a project such as this one. What we're trying to do with this project is really expand the implementation of blue carbon. And by that, we mean use this new understanding that has been recently recognized that coastal wetland ecosystems like salt marshes and seagrasses are storing a vast amount of carbon that we refer to as blue carbon. And that that, in turn, is actually providing a climate benefit. If we are able by this project to produce a model that has been refined enough and has been expanded enough and shown to be robust to enable coastal managers to predict greenhouse gas emissions and carbon storage in coastal wetlands in New England and along the East Coast, we would have produced a tool that can be used to help managers understand how wetlands are performing in this area and can be used as a tool to reduce transaction costs for looking at how these systems can be considered in the carbon market. That's one aspect of success. The second area of success is being able to engage with targeted end users the steps you would go through for actually checking the feasibility of a carbon market project. The third is really expanding the awareness and understanding of how wetlands play a role in the carbon cycle and the benefit that they're providing on a number of different fronts but in the area of carbon storage in particular. I also had the chance to talk with Dr. Dwight Trueblood, the National Estuary and Research Reserve's Science Collaborative Program Manager for the NOAA Office for Coastal Management. 
He explained why collaboration is such an important element in this type of research project. Collaboration is a very important aspect of these projects because solving problems that involve coastal resources involves not just understanding how natural resources will be impacted, but also how people living and working in coastal communities will also be impacted by the choices we make. We now understand that we need to engage the people who will use the science so that they trust what is being done and feel that they are part of the overall decision-making process to not only engage the scientists, but also public officials, people from non-governmental organizations, and sometimes even uh, the general public. Doing this well is challenging, and it also takes resources. But in the end, I think the extra work is worth it because it makes it easier to implement the best solutions once we get to the end of the project. I would say that NOAA is fortunate in that we already have a system in place to help do some of this work, which is the National Estuarine Research Reserve System. And they're ideally suited to do this because they're nested within their local communities. They have staff in place that can do the research and help facilitate that, as well as people that can bridge the gap between the scientists and the people that want to use the information coming out of the projects. Tana Marie agrees. When NOAA funded this project, they really had a vision for um, what they dubbed as collaborative research. And by that, they meant engaging potential end users of the science into the whole research process. And so we have ended up with a project that is not just a strong science project, but it's a project that has really dovetailed well with understanding stakeholder interests and needs at the same time that it's helping to build awareness about blue carbon and about its potential application on a number of different wavelengths. One method of slowing climate change impacts is to incorporate coastal wetlands into the carbon market through the buying and selling of carbon offsets. The Bringing Wetlands to Market project uses a proven method for determining the monetary value of blue carbon in marshes. Under the first phase of the Bringing Wetlands to Market project, we did a tremendous amount of science and field work, and we used that science and fed it into the development of a very data-driven model to be able to see if we could produce a user-friendly model that would take all of that intensive data and boil it down to a few parameters that you could use to be able to predict greenhouse gas emissions and storage in a wetland. And so in this new phase, we're expanding the model We're doing what is called generalizing it by using more data that's collecting from a wider range of sites. And then we're partnering with others to get data from outside the sites that we're actually doing field work, again, to expand that. And so what we're trying to do is engage with targeted end users, in particular, those that we're working on with the Herring River Restoration Project in Massachusetts, as a primary example of how you would actually do a blue carbon market project. And so we're using that particular project to test that, to look at the feasibility of a carbon market project. We have a guidebook for coastal managers to be able to understand What are the different things that are talked about in the methodology, how they would think about it in their own context to be able to understand and learn about more blue carbon concepts, be able to understand what is in the methodology. So explains everything very well. And what that opens up is being able to use this methodology to then generate carbon credits for wetlands restoration project. The Bringing Wetlands to Market project is a groundbreaking effort for climate change adaptation. 
The project has generated information and tools that can inform wetland restoration and protection efforts, as well as policy decisions about greenhouse gas offsets. I asked the team to share with me their feelings on some of the most important information they learned while being part of the project. Coastal wetlands provide habitat for many plants and animals that we don't find anywhere else in the country. So projects like this one help us understand what the benefits coastal wetlands provide beyond what we traditionally think marshes provide. In this case, essentially sequestering carbon and you know the more traditional protection from erosion, coastal storms, and flooding. This project is showing that, in fact, wetlands essentially store carbon in the sediments, and that's a benefit that we hadn't really considered in the past. This was an excerpt of a full interview conducted back in 2017. Head to oceanservice.noaa.gov for a link to the full talk and other links related to this topic. And as always, we thank you for listening.